being weak is wow. where the power of Christ is perfected in us. And when I stood up in front of the church, I was finally able to say to them, now I can boast. We all have to be on the lookout. Mm -hmm. I think that life happens to us all. That's right. And I really feel like that this is not really a story of how to re recover from addiction. Mm -hmm. This is a story of how to recover and admit dysfunction. Yeah. We believe that the best gospel that you can live and exemplify is one that is of a healthy, thriving marriage. But that has not always been our story. I couldn't keep up with who I pretended to be. The shame overshadowed and masked reality. This marriage is awful. I want a divorce. I began to abuse alcohol. I was overwhelmed with rage. Here I am, a pastor, preaching sermons that are supposed to set someone free, but yet I felt bound myself. You don't have to live in the pain that you've been living in. Help was so close. It was so close. Join us as we unravel our story of addiction, redemption, and triumph in our marriage. This is our story. I remember when Irene said she was ready to tell her story. And I wanted to do everything and to make sure that I set her up for success. Mm -hmm. And we talked through and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. how she was going to say it. And she's like, how do I study for a sermon? And I remember just taking the pressure off and says, this isn't a sermon. No. This is your life. Mm -hmm. This is that. a story. Yeah, I'm super, super anxious because I honestly was wondering what are people going to say? How are they going to react? Like, are they going to stone me? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you reassured me that they would not. And that's certainly what happened. Now, I think the timing was everything. I was yeah. finally owning my own space and was able to articulate to you that I needed a little bit more time. I needed yeah. some sobriety under my belt to be able to validate uh, my story, like to be able to you know, stand in front of the people and say, I have been sober for such and such period of time. And I was able to get up at two years, three months sober wow. and testify before <clears throat> the church that my uh, that my weakness was alcohol, alcohol addiction. But in me admitting my weakness, that's where the strength and the yeah. grace of God came in and helped me in a journey of recovery to overcome not just alcoholism, but codependency, family dysfunction, and so on and so forth. And then just as the scripture continues to say in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that uh, Nat, Paul says three times he begged, three times he begged begged the Lord to take wow. away that weakness. And the Lord replied to him that in your weakness, yeah. then my strength is perfected. All you need is to be weak. Can you imagine that? Yeah, a pastor. A pastor. A pastor's wife. Being weak is wow. where the power of Christ is perfected in us. And when I stood up in front of the church, I was finally able to say to them, now I can boast. Wow. Now I can boast of the power of Christ that has been at work in me. And I was two years, three months sober. The entire church got up and applauded. And I felt like I showed up as Irene, the 
human being that is perfectly imperfect, created by Jesus, fearfully and wonderfully made, crafted in the image of God, broken, needing a savior just like everybody else. And I stood before the people Mm -hmm. and without shame, testified of the goodness of the Lord and his redemption power. So it was a breakthrough moment for me, for our family, for our church. I showed up for the first time. And I think oftentimes Mm -hmm. in church uh, that people come and, you know, they're taught to live this life that is unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And they're like, man, if if that is what it means to be a Christian, that doesn't fit me. So I don't fit in church. Mm -hmm. I think that series, when you got up and said, Hello, my name is Irene Rollins, not pastor, mm-hmm. and I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. People's like, man, this fits. Mm-hmm. I can be here yeah. because I can identify with medicating. I can identify. And then as you begin to tell the story of redemption, even people who have been along the journey the whole time and knew nothing, they're like, that's why they took a break. Mm-hmm. That's why they, they talk about counseling, yeah. because they realize that, man, these people are real. Yeah. And that's exactly what I wanted that uh, series to be. And we found out that that wasn't just a series. No. Right? That, that became our ministry. Our ministry. Our life. Yep. I was so sure of what I was called to do at yeah. that moment in time. After sharing it with our church and hearing the Me Too's and the empathy from the people and um, just how so many people got sober that day. Yeah. Whether it was, sobriety looked so different for yeah. so many people, whether it was stopped using credit cards, cut them up because yeah. they were abusing their finances and uh, to um, people who finally got help for overeating or trauma issues because I couldn't stop on my own. Wow. So I feel like I identified with all of the people that are out there suffering in silence and shame and hiding their sin in secret and feeling like they were broken and unfixable. So it's like the opportunity to boast of what the Lord's done in my life. I felt like I could handle it because again, I had that sobriety under my belt. And just hearing the testimonies afterwards of people who uh, again, had lost their marriages, their homes because of overspending, um, just love addicts to gambling addicts to uh, people whose anger had become unmanageable because we shared part of your journey. Workaholics. People started to examine that I have something in my life that's becoming unmanageable and sharing that Thank you for, uh, you know, coming forward with your testimony because it's helping me face some things in my own life. It was absolutely amazing. And, and I think that's that's the power of our mm. story. It keeps us close to the pain. Yeah, it really does. And what I have found, wouldn't you say this, Jimmy, that when we are reminded of the pain and we talk about it, it's not to pour salt into a it's wound. Great. It's just simply, if I stay close to the pain that I caused you and my child, not from a guilt and shame perspective, just to always put boundaries in place, to protect myself from ever being in a position where I could make a choice that would cause me to relapse. Like I've got, my new way of life is about boundaries. It's about protecting what is most important. And when I stay close to the pain, I'm reminded that that's what I'm working hard to protect. Wow. 
we make our marriage the priority. Our church, the name of our church was called yeah. I-5, and we would present to our congregation that it's Rollins 5 before I-5. So we say R-5 before? Yes, R-5 before I-5. I-5. And we set a new standard, a new way of thinking for our church that if we aren't healthy and we don't take care of us, and our relationship with God and our marriage, then we won't have anything to give our wow. church. It takes me back to mm-hmm. even pre-our story together. Yeah. I used to work for Brinks Home Security mm-hmm. and Cell Security Systems, and I got really good at it. And I would go to people's house, and I would point out all the vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. and then I would issue or suggest a piece of equipment to secure that area. And that is now in play mm-hmm. in us protecting what we have now. We realize the vulnerabilities are traveling too much. We realize the vulnerabilities are anger. We realize the vulnerabilities are alcohol and all of these different resentment. vulnerabilities, resentment. Huge. And what we do now is put some applications mm-hmm. in those places yeah. to make sure we're protecting those areas mm-hmm. of our lives. Even like, you know, we've shared about, uh, you know, my struggle with pornography mm-hmm. and some of those, you know, vulnerabilities are there. And so what we put in place is I don't have any passwords to myself. You have a password to everything. Yeah. You can check everything. And it's not control. It's not control. It's covering. It's covering. I right? love that. We, 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 we said this is how we're going to have our rules of engagement mm-hmm. when, we, when we fight or when mm-hmm. we have a, we're going to do it on Fridays. What are we doing? Putting things in place to keep what's most valuable to us protected. Right. And what does that look like for me? That looks like me going to meetings. Yes. If I haven't been to meetings, you are pushing me out the door. You're asking me about it, and I'm not getting defensive about it. You know, you're like, because one thing I realized um, about three years into my sobriety is that I could be a dry drunk. And what people don't realize is that I may not be drinking. I may have removed the substance from my body, removed the substance from my life. There are times when my emotional world is telling me that you're walking around with the behaviors of someone who was drinking Mm -hmm. and in an addiction versus not that I'm drinking. I've taken the substance away, but I'm still acting like one. So... I think that protecting that by staying in counseling, making sure we're dealing with things in marriage counseling, we don't ever stop. Like we get stuck in a cycle where we, in our marriage where sometimes we can't get over a certain issue and we need assistance and we need help. We are not ashamed to go back to counseling. No. It doesn't mean that we're not progressing. Absolutely. (laughs) I think, you know, going to counseling before something happens is actually again securing what's most yeah. valuable. I, I think also is just the uh, our positive words. I mm-hmm. spoke so many negative words then, mm. but just saying our marriage is amazing. Yeah. Hey, honey, I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what we have together. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I love that our kids love to be around us. Mm-hmm. I spoke so many negative words for so long. I feel like speaking positive words mm-hmm. to let the enemy know that you, you can't take this anymore. Yeah. This marriage is healthy. Mm-hmm. We're going to you know, have healthy uh, relationships with our children. Our children are seeing that we don't have to abuse each other with our weaknesses. Wow. Our children are seeing that we can recover. 
and we're breaking generational cycles as a result. That no talk rule is out the window. Come on. No longer in, in the Rollins family. The, the, uh, the cycle of addiction, it stops with us. Yeah. Because we are open and we are sharing about it and we're removing the shame and the stigma. And I know it's already happening in our family. We're already seeing the results of that because we have watched our children be able to um, make the decision for themselves. Yeah. Whether they're going to partake in... Um, eating yeah. or uh, some sort of drug or alcohol. Yeah. Like they have the same choices, but now they're equipped with information that we didn't have. Yeah, I didn't know I could fall into addiction so easily because of trauma and dysfunction and codependency and all of these things that set me up yeah. for addiction. Mm -hmm. Now they're going into their adulthood aware of what sets them up for addiction. Yeah all those things I've already mentioned, and how they handle their stress, their to, emotional intelligence, all of those things. Absolutely. I think to our listeners, uh, we wanna give you something to like, you know, sink your teeth in, something to hold on to. And this, yeah. is, this is what we use to protect mm -hmm. what we have now, but you can use it as armor, if mm -hmm. you will, so that these things don't creep in. And it's just four or five quick things, but let's say four, it, it's couches. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It's coaches. Coaches, yeah. It's counseling. Mm -hmm. And it's couples. Yeah. And couches is simply this. We bought a big couch mm -hmm. every night. We're going to be on that couch as yeah. a family. As a family. Every single night, we're going to laugh together. We're going to watch a movie together. We're going to talk together. That's where our family meetings happen together. We're, we connect as a family on the couch. Yeah. And then coaches. Mm -hmm. Those everyone needs a coach. Yeah. Uh, so many guys says, well, I don't want to go to counseling because it's pride. Yeah. Come on, guys. It's pride. Mm -hmm. But one thing you can subscribe to is a coach, someone who is helping you, someone who's calling the play, someone who's telling you what play to run. You yeah. need a coach. Every marriage needs a coach. Mm -hmm. Every pastor needs a pastor. Every That's pastor needs a pastor. Every out. brother needs a brother. Every father yep. needs a father. Yeah. And I think the next thing is counseling. Mm hmm. Like, you cannot do this by yourself. Absolutely. The help that we got through licensed professionals yeah. was amazing. We were able to find out the underlying mental health issues that led us to abuse food, abuse uh, alcohol. You know, for me, anxiety, ADD. For you, ADHD. Like, yeah. you were 40 when you were diagnosed yeah. with ADHD. We didn't realize the impact that our mental health had on our marriage. The, the, that principle of being proactive about mm -hmm. holding on to your healing. Yeah. Um, and like you said in, in another episode, that if you're not working on your recovery, you're working on your relapse. Yeah. And I think that gets us to the last C is, is, is couples. Yeah. People in your life who hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is key. And I wanna break this down a little mm -hmm. bit. Cause we decided that there were some safe, a few safe people. That's right. That if that we needed to befriend and be relational mm -hmm. with together, and so the the other couple became our like uh, our accountability partners. Mm -hmm. It's important to be real in front of people. Mm -hmm. You know, transparency is what I let you see. Yeah. The next thing we'll go to then is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is what I let you know. Mm -hmm. Like. For me, this showed up in our, and how we still hold on to this is mm -hmm. I had to go give you the backstory 
of pornography. Mm-hmm. That the nine-year-old little boy at 2541 Symphony Lane, that's the address of where this happened. Yeah. This boy, we'll call him Brian, showed me page 47 of Penthouse Magazine. I remember the page. And that was an, uh, a, a dysfunctional origin. That, was, that started an appetite for something that was fantasy, that started an appetite for something that wasn't mm-hmm. real. And vulnerability took you back to the moment so that you as a wife didn't just concentrate on what it felt like to deal with the behavior. And it's even as we talk about mm-hmm. it, you know, now, you know, just accountability when you do your check-ins mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, how are you doing in this area? Uh, even if there's a moment of temptation, I'll say to you, mm-hmm. you know, trying to grow up the nine-year-old. Yeah. You know, tr- trying to bring the nine-year-old along. Mm-hmm. And that's vulnerability. So we move from transparency, what I'll let you see. Vulnerability, mm-hmm. what I'll let you know. Right. Now we can get to accountability. Yeah. That's what I let you hold. Mm-hmm. You've let me, you've allowed me to hold, to care for mm-hmm. that little girl. You've allowed me to care for uh, the, at times, you know, being in a, at a restaurant and not, you know, wanting to sit next to the bar or being in a hotel room and asking them to take all the alcohol out. Not that you would ever drink it, but why even have it why in proximity? It? Yeah. But I'm holding it. Yeah. And I do the same for you. For you, I'm holding your um, humanity when I don't, um, we don't have HBO, we don't have Cinemax, we don't have these channels yes. that where there could be a temptation there. There are guardrails that we put yeah. that just give us one less thing to worry about. You know, us creating boundaries like we don't uh, talk to anybody of the opposite sex on social media without each other knowing or being a part of a group text together, um, things like that. It's, it's, we're protecting what is most important. I love that we have these boundaries. It's yeah. like over the years, I am, as of this recording day, I'm six years, six months sober from alcohol. Wow. And I am. Congratulations. Thank you very that, that much. That deserves, come on. Thank you. So I'm just like grateful in this moment yeah. for our journey of recovery. I'm grateful that there it wasn't the end of our story, that our greatest pain, that our greatest misery, like God actually does what he says he's gonna do and he can take the ugliest, most disgusting situation and turn it around for good. I think all that is accountability. Yeah. You know, having someone to hold it, us mm-hmm. being accountable to our healing yeah. and holding it so that we stay close to the pain. Mm-hmm. And I think that moves us to the last thing of how and what God mm-hmm. and how God is redeeming our story and how we're still finding reconciliation and healing along mm-hmm. this process is is intimacy. So we've moved from yeah. transparency, what I'll let you see, vulnerability, what I'll let you know, mm-hmm. accountability, what I'll let you hold. Mm-hmm. And the last one is intimacy. Yeah. And intimacy is simply this, when I have nothing to hide. Nothing died. And what we have discovered is on this side of eternity, mm-hmm. there's no such thing as perfection. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I will do all I can do to let you see my imperfections. Mm-hmm. And once we take that moment to connect with that part of ourselves, we can look at it and decide what we're going to do with it. It's great. And 
I just want to encourage our listeners to reframe it. That's right. What if we reframed our shame about whatever it is that we're dealing with, whatever part of our past that we think is so ugly it can't be healed or talked about? What if we reframed that and said, I'm put in your life to be your blueprint for growth. You're weak in an area and I'm strong in an area, so me leveraging my strength helps you come up. What if I reframed it that way instead of just being annoyed by how different we are? What if I leveraged our strengths instead? We've learned Mm -hmm. how God could sovereignly Mm -hmm. turn our pain into our purpose. Right. We see this in scripture uh, in the book of Luke and this paralyzed guy has been on a mat his whole life. Yeah. And the Bible says that Jesus was in a house Mm -hmm. and in this house it was full. And large crowds followed Jesus and they were sick. Mm -hmm. In other words, this house was full (laughs) because Jesus was in the house. Yeah. And there was a guy who couldn't get to the house. Right. He's paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And four people came and left the house and they brought him back. And it, it says that the house was so packed that there was no more room, even in the room, even outside the door. So they scaled the wall and ripped the roof off. That's right. They did something different. Yeah. They lowered this paralyzed guy right down in front of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus forgives him, heals him. And he's about to go out and leave that moment. And Jesus says, "Uh, wait, you forgot something. Mm -hmm. This guy's been on his mat his entire life. Yeah. He don't want that mat. Mm -hmm. That mat probably has scars and wounds and it's dirty. And Jesus says, you can't leave this house without that mat. That's right. Because I need you to have a testimony Mm -hmm. that God can take your greatest misery Mm -hmm. And it can become his greatest ministry. That's right. If you'll do the work to rip the, work. the roof off. Roof off and to get to Jesus. And make the choice to pick up your mat, pick up your story, and make a decision that I'm gonna reframe this thing. And I believe that when we get that courage to reframe, when we get that courage to share our story, pick up our mat, do the work to get whole and healed, and then testify of it. It's gonna help people. And in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, in that moment where you're thinking, me, I'm too old. Hmm. My story's too long, too hard. I didn't, like, you've disqualified yourself. I believe the Lord is saying that, hey, in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, you think that you're disqualified, but my gifts and talents and the things I've placed inside of you, he says, are irrevocable. You can't do anything to disqualify yourself from the love of God. Yeah. So you can't remove yourself from it. We don't deserve his grace. We can't earn it. But guess what? When we admit our weaknesses and surrender that shame to him, he uses it for good. That's right. It's been absolutely amazing journeying with you as we shared our story of how we found purpose in our prison. But we want to also hear your story. Mm-hmm. And if you would so grace us with that, we want you to visit our website at www.xomarriage.com forward slash share your story. 
Listeners, the best is yet to come. We'll see you next time. Are you so determined to have that thing that you're willing to destroy yourself and the people you love the most for that thing? Hmm. I had to accept the fact that I related with those people. Those alcoholics in that room were me. We shared the same story. I had to accept that. I had to accept so much. I had to accept, you know what was really hard? Accepting that God's grace applied to me too. That was really hard. God's grace applies to me too. So hard. I had to um, accept that my family still loved me despite all my yuck and all the stuff I did and put them through. I had to accept that God could still use me, could still use my story, that he could use all of that yuck for good. So today, I'm standing here before you a grateful alcoholic. I am so grateful. Now I can boast of my weakness because of the power of Christ that has been working in me. Now I can boast. Now I can say I'm a grateful alcoholic. So many people do not survive this disease. They die and I am here. I am a walking, talking miracle. I know I am.